Hello and welcome to the next episode. We are on episode three of New Jersey Living, the podcast. And today we are going to be jumping in into attorney review. And in attorney review, we're also touching on the buyer inspection contingencies and what you want to be aware of uh, in terms of a first-time buyer, particularly uh, as it pertains to that. And even on the sell side, some things you should be aware of if you're looking to sell a home, particularly here in New Jersey. So I have a couple guests that are definitely very integral pieces of several of my transactions. Uh, so we're going to intro them in just a second. So welcome, sit back, relax, and let's go for the ride. Welcome to New Jersey Living, the podcast, where we explore all things New Jersey real estate. I'm your host, Corey Jones, a real estate agent with Coldwell Banker and team leader of the New Jersey Living Group. We're a team of experienced agents who specialize in residential sales in several counties ranging from Bergen County in northern New Jersey to Ocean County down the shore. On this podcast, we will talk to real estate experts, local business owners, community leaders, and town officials to get the inside scoop various towns in New Jersey. We'll discuss everything from the latest market trends to featured local attractions with dining, recreation, and entertainment. Whether you're a current resident, a prospective buyer, or just curious about New Jersey real estate, we have something for you. So sit back, relax, and join us for a conversation about all things New Jersey living. All right, welcome everyone. So as I mentioned, I have two guests with me. I have with uh, one of my premier main go-to attorneys, and that is Linda Hochstein of Hochstein Law, uh, based in Bayonne. And we have with us Leo Campbell. Leo uh, has tank services. Uh, he's a tank services uh, uh, contractor that is another one of the go-tos. Now, uh, honestly, this is the first time Leo and I are seeing each other face-to-face. -face. I see his name in email transactions uh, or correspondence, I should say, all the time. Uh, but this is uh, an area of expertise of his as it pertains to uh, underground storage tank, oil tanks, and he's going to be able to give some valuable insights as well. So thank you both for joining New Jersey Living for this number three episode of our podcast series. Happy to be here. All right. Thanks for joining. All right. So Linda, I'm going to start with you. Um, obviously, we have done uh, uh, several. I, I can't even count how many transactions we've done together. Um, one thing that comes up a lot when you have buyers, uh, particularly those who are first time or this is the first time they're purchasing in the state of New Jersey, right? So uh, attorney review is a little different, even in South Jersey. You know, South Jersey doesn't always have that process either. So I wanted you just to give a little bit of an overview for those who are walking through that process for the first time. What is attorney review all about and what type of uh, services are you looking to uh, provide when you engage with a, a buyer? So attorney review is a very important process for a buyer because it's the time in which I get a hold of the contract. It may be before it is fully executed, but it is really critical for me to get it once it is fully executed. Many folks are aware of a three-day attorney review period um, what that means is that once the contract is fully executed, it really is critical for me to get a hold of the contract and the client and review the terms with the buyer. The goal is that we want to make the contract as favorable as possible. We want to make sure that the terms are written properly 
and with the buyer's full understanding in terms of deposit, in terms of time constraints. When is the mortgage due? When is the closing date? Uh, what are the inspection rights? Has the buyer waived any inspection rights in the contract? Has the buyer waived any appraisal rights in the contract? So it's really important for me to review those terms with the buyer and of course explain all the rights and obligations under the contract as it is a binding agreement. The most important thing is that the buyer meet with me via telephone, via Zoom, sometimes it's in person, to go over those terms as soon as that contract is executed. Because as we all know, it's a very fast market and the goal is to get out of review as quickly as possible. How do we get out of re review? I submit a review letter after going over the contract with the client to the opposing counsel, which is the seller's attorney. Only after we conclude review do we have a binding agreement. The reason why this is so critical is that if the client waits to talk to me or go over it within a certain period of time, that seller has a right to continue to show the property, has a, continued, has a right to bump that buyer out for a better offer, and sometimes it's just for no reason at all. Only upon conclusion of review do we have a binding contract that the seller can no longer terminate. So that is the reason that attorney review is so important and how very important it is to have a buyer who's thinking about going into contract or first entered into contract to immediately go over those terms with me with the goal to get out of review as as fast as possible. And so for the buyer, and particularly for those who are uh, a bit new to the process, when Linda mentions executed contract, just share with them what that means, executed, because we use those terms all the time. Some are not as familiar with what that terminology means. So what that means is that Corey would present a buyer with a, with a contract with the terms written in. What is the purchase price? What is the down payment? How many units are in, the, are in the property? Will the property be delivered vacant? What inspection rights are limited or not limited? What, a, what an executed contract means is that a buyer has fully signed that contract that is executed by the buyer. When it's then presented to the seller side and the seller executes it, now we have a fully executed contract, which means that both buyer and seller have signed that contract. Excellent. Excellent. And so fully executed does not mean binding or under contract yet. All right. And that's another concern with buyers is that when they sign that contract, you know, many have the fear that they're signing their life away. Right. So it's it's a very different process uh, or a situation than being under contract and as you explained with attorney review, your role is to ensure that there are things and protections in their favor uh, as they enter to the next phase. Because that initial phase, that seller, as you mentioned, could drop it and walk away and go with another buyer. Uh, the buy side as well could say, you know what, we really don't like X, Y, and Z after all, right? So this is something that uh, is an important piece. And that leads into inspection contingency. This is where 
our friend Leo comes in as a very, very important role. So uh, before we jump with Leo, just Linda, explain generally what inspection contingency is and what one of the main issues that we kind of look for in this, re well, not want to say regionally in New Jersey, New Jersey uh, and talking to agents nationwide, some of them don't even know what a UST, they never heard of underground oil tank, right? So I remember talking with some colleagues out in Arizona and they're like, what? Right. So, but it is a thing in New Jersey. All right. So just uh, touch on um, the inspection contingency and then uh, let's kind of transition it to uh, the underground tanks. Sure. So it is very, very important when you're buying a home that you perform an inspection. That's called a general home inspection. And in that inspection, we look for that the components of the home, the heating, the electrical, the plumbing, that those are all in working water. And part of the inspection rights uh, will include that all of the systems have to be in working order. That's called mechanical. There's also a component for structural, the roof, the, the, the beams, that this house is structurally sound. And the, the other component is safety. Are there safety issues that we want to raise objection to once we have inspections? But by far and away, the most important is environmental. So one of the aspects of an environmental issue is whether or not a property has an abandoned underground oil tank. If there's an above oil tank, that is sometimes good evidence that there may have been an underground oil tank. The reason why that's so critical is because if a buyer fails to perform an underground tank sweep and closes on the property, the buyer is precluded. They are prevented from ever looking back to the owner for responsibility on removing any abandoned oil tank and the cost of remediation. So that is called an underground oil tank sweep. And this is where Leo comes in. So it is critical. And I know Corey, as far as you and I represent clients, we always instruct our client to perform an underground oil tank sweep as part of the home inspection contingency. If a tank is found, this is where I call Leo. And I say, Leo, we have a tank. And Leo will talk about the different types of findings. Sometimes it's a decommissioned tank. Sometimes it's an abandoned tank. Either way, as a buyer's side, the most important part is that we discover it and we discover it timely prior to closing. I, I'm so absolutely. So this is a great uh, segment to uh, dive into some of Leo's uh, knowledge base and expertise. Uh, so Leo, get first of all, just educate the listener on what is a decommissioned tank versus one that is not. A decommissioned tank is uh, after the people had switched to gas, Probably there were various methods back then and uh, it was sand filled or foam filled. So it's, you would get a permit from the city to decommission a tank and this inspect and, inspector would come out and various inspections were done on a tank. For a sand fill, you cut the tank open and cleaned it. And he made sure that he looked in and there was no oil and didn't see any visible holes at the time. A foam fill, it got the inspection would just make sure it was 
that I cleaned out of his liquid product with an oil stick that was, and then they would give the city would issue a certificate of approval for that decommissioned tank uh, with permit numbers and all involved. And now at this stage, they're not, uh, cities aren't issuing a new permit for removal of the tank if it was decommissioned as per the DEP. But, uh, so just to clarify on that, Leo, tank. just to clarify. So if a, if a tank, uh, has been decommissioned and we have the permit right for the decommissioned, you know, process that, that was, uh, executed for removal. There's no need for another permit. City won't issue one. Okay. Understood. Understood. All right. And At that, go ahead. I, when I take a tank out, because the city won't issue a permit, Jersey City started with it, but it comes from the state. In Bayonne, in Jersey City, when I take the tank out, I send them a bunch of paperwork, just like it was a inspected permitted tank that I took out. I myself send the paperwork just like it was permitted so that they can put it in their file. So in five years from now, I'm not here. There's a history that I did it and it's out. And the, the next buyer doesn't have to go through the whole rigmarole of, well, where's the tank? I documented that I took care of it. I took it out, did whatever needed to be done. So, so Leo, the buyer who maybe is trying to save uh, some costs or some issues in negotiation, they learned that the tank is uh, already decommissioned. Why is it problematic to not still remove that tank and just say, hey, look, it's decommissioned. Just it's done. It's not in use. I'm just going to leave it. Explain why that's a problem or that's a liability. Linda and every other lawyer will tell you that they don't want the next buyer to inherit the problem that should have been taken care of the previous from the previous seller. Absolutely. And taking that tank out, and what's what are some of the things that are discovered once that tank is removed? And that's that's a big piece of this liability. Well, if the, if the soil underneath the tank is dirty, you have to remediate it, take, take the soil out. Uh, a lot of paperwork involved. There's an LSRP involved. He comes and takes samples post remediation when the, the pit itself is clean enough to satisfy the state's needs, really. He'll take samples and they go to the lab that day and 10 business days later, they'll come back more than likely clean enough to satisfy the state's needs. And then the LSRP can uh, virtually start writing the report, the remedial action report that will eventually uh, be concluded with a no further action letter, NFA. And that's the end of the uh, ordeal. The NFA is the final word on that property as far as the oil tank that was involved here and the dirty soil that was involved. If you take the tank out and it wasn't leaking uh, and it wasn't, wasn't a decommissioned tank the first time it's being permitted, the city will issue a certificate of approval. You don't need to contact the DEP if it was not leaking. Got it. Got it. So if I'm hearing you correct, no if NFA letter necessary if there was no leak. Correct. Understood. Uh, and, and Linda, on the attorney side, so obviously your role is to protect uh, the buyer against any uh, risk and advise them accordingly. Um, what are financially those kind of like what kind of financial risk is there for soil contaminations? Because obviously we've encountered scenarios where we're very concerned or there has been, in fact, evidence of contamination and there's a closing date also. Right. So. What 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 financial liability is there, and how how do you navigate that and work around it when we do have 
evidence of contamination and need to close? It's a great question. I mean, for my position is always very firm on oil tanks. If there is a tank discovered, uh, Leo is my go-to. There's nobody better in the business than Leo. He will get all of the requisite paperwork from the township. That's number one. And I've had numerous tank contractors that I'm chasing that leave it up to the client to get the paperwork. And as far as the responsibility on the buyer, as soon as that abandoned oil tank or even a decommissioned tank is found by a GPR sweep, which is a ground penetrating radar sweep, if if an anomaly is picked up, we know that there's a tank there. We may not know at that moment whether it's decommissioned or abandoned, but my position is firm that the seller has to remove it. The burden or the pot potential liability on the buyer is tremendous. If the buyer opts to close because the seller's position is, I'm not going to remove it, I'm leaving it as is, the burden on the buyer is down the road, it will be the buyer's sole responsibility, A, to remove it, which is a cost anywhere from 3,500 to 5,500, depending on the placement of the tank and whether you have to restore concrete, because many times a tank may be positioned under concrete. There's also the cleanup. Cleanup can run anywhere from 8,500 to 20 grand, depending on the extent of cleanup. The biggest risk where I would never want a buyer to encounter is if groundwater is impacted. It is not common, but I would say about 10% of those tanks removed, what happens is when the soil is excavated, if the contractor, Leo in this case, cannot excavate to obtain a clean sample and groundwater is impacted, there's now the installation of monitoring wells. I had a circumstance, I'm sure Leo can share his war stories, where the cost exceeded $50,000, a monitoring well was installed. It took three years to get a clean sample wow. and, and have those wells removed. We do not want that to happen to our clients. Got it. Got it. And, and that goes back to uh, when there is a soil contamination found, uh, it is tested and that's by uh, the state EPA department is involved, correct? Or who's involved with the testing? The LSRP is the, uh, he's responsible for all the data and inspection and uh, sampling and that type of thing. All the onus is on him. Okay. He, he has a, a contract, if you want to use that word, with the DEP, where he is responsible for everything he sends them. Okay. So he's like, almost like an outside contractor, but he's not. Got it. Got it. So, once um, it is determined that uh, there is no um, contamination or it doesn't exceed a certain level, that's where that no further action letter comes in. That's the golden ticket, if you will, um, that you're, you're free to move forward, right? Correct. And sometimes, okay. Corey, as long as Leo tells me, because I'm telling you, Leo is the master at this. If Leo says to me, let's say there's a buyer's rate lock because we all know with rates increasing, we need to close on time. So I'll say to Leo, I'm going to recommend that we close with an escrow pending the NFA letter because 
that FA could take 30 to 60 days to receive it. And if Leo says to me, you get to close Linda, I, I'm very confident that I was able to get a clean sample. That means I've got Leo's blessing to close with an escrow, meaning we hold back sellers funds up to a designated amount that Leo will provide as, as a, a good estimate. estimate. And we'll close with an escrow pending that NFA letter. But I won't do that until the tank is removed because only then will Leo be able to say to me, here's the cost of this cleanup job. Here's why you get to close. Groundwater was not, was not impacted and I'll have a clean sample for you. So, so the, the samples usually only take 10 to 12 business days. So you know, by the time everybody gets their paperwork involved, I'll have the samples back from there and I'll tell Linda, uh, okay, the samples came back great. Great, they're uh, they're in good shape and Andrew can start writing his report. And meanwhile, they, they'll close right after that and uh, the money's in escrow, but that's up to Linda and the buyer and seller, right? <laughs> right, so sometimes what we wanna do is we, we wanna close with an escrow because there's a rate lock expiring and, and that's very costly to a buyer. Um, and as long as we have the good evidence that the samples came back clean, what happens is the LSRP will prepare what's called a remedial action report. That report condenses all of the findings, gets submitted to New Jersey DEP. It does take anywhere from 30 to I've seen 60 days. So that waiting period would be very, very costly to a buyer. Got so it. as long as we have Leo giving me the thumbs up, we close with an escrow pending that NFA. Now, here's a question. I'm putting myself in a buyer's seat who is not very familiar with tanks at all, or maybe even New Jersey. Like where do we find the most proliferation of underground tanks? Is it a concentration in certain areas or is it pretty much equal everywhere? And if I'm outside of a proliferation area, do I really need one? Okay. Sweep. Uh, sweep. Yes. Sweep. If you're in New Jersey, you need a sweep. <laughs> in New Jersey, you need a sweep. All right. hundred percent. I totally agree. And now, here's the thing. Go ahead. It's, it's $300. Yeah. It's $300. That's it. $300. Don't go to dinner for a month, <laughs> all right? Yeah, and just yeah. buy groceries, bring it in, cook inside, yes. cook ramen, but perform the tank sweep because it is the best $300 you will spend. Yes, yes. Now, both of you all are in Bayonne and Linda's office right now, and it seems like Bayonne is like ground zero, right? We have <laughs> <laughs> with underground tank. So get, uh, what's a little history as to like rock, get, rock, why, rock. why why tanks and, and, you know, one in the Northeast, I guess, in general, but definitely around that area. Is there is there a why behind that? I'm 99% sure Rockefeller's first refinery was in Bayonne down the Hook Road. <laughs> so when they opened up, everybody got oil. There were oil men running oil around the city, filling up tanks and putting in new boilers. Of course, it was, it was, it was a timing thing. That oil came about to burn oil to heat the houses. Bayonne has a lot of tanks. Yeah. <laughs> Not only yeah. has and has. Absolutely. And location wise, again, I've, I've seen them everywhere. I, I um, 
have seen them in backyards, on the concrete, driveways, front yards. Um, really, they could be anywhere. And that's going back to, uh, Linda, you had mentioned uh, the GPR, right? Because there's a lot of inspectors who have just a basic wand metal detector, right? And so the question is, are all tank sweeps created equal? Are they all the same? Absolutely not. So I, in, I instruct the client that go get your tank, go get your home inspection. If Corey recommends someone that's different from someone that I recommend on a general home inspection, go for it. Most of the time, Corey, you and I have that same list of tried and true general home inspectors. As far as the tank sweep, inspectors are smart. They see that they can get another $300 if they just put their magic wand kind of fishing for metal that you would do on a beach looking for your seashells. It is not the same. And what happens is, and I tell clients all the time, you're wasting your $300 if you're performing the tank sweep with your general home inspector. What will happen is it'll come back. There may or may not be a tank. Uh, I can't guarantee my findings. Go perform a GPR. Go perform an exploratory dig. Well, what was the point of you charging the client $300 if it was inconclusive and you're not going to guarantee your, your, your work? So we want clients to spend their money wisely. We want them to use only a licensed tank contractor that has the most sophisticated equipment. I've had general inspectors say to me, I can't buy that equipment. It's so expensive. Well, that's why we don't want the client to throw out that $300 using a general home inspector. It's not conclusive. It's not guaranteed. Please only use those companies that guarantee work and have the best equipment. Absolutely. And we are, Linda, we are on the same page with our contractors because we do, uh, when it comes to tank sweep, there's only one I recommend, right? Um, and they definitely are using GPR, right, uh, equipment. So uh, if you're going to uh, have work done, have it done by someone who will guarantee their findings and back it up, right? So I uh, totally agree there. So I um, wanted to thank both of you for taking time. Both of you all are in your work day, just like I am. And you took some time just to jump into this podcast. Uh, your expertise and experiences are very much appreciated. Uh, so for both Linda and Leo, I'm about to flash up some of their contact info here so that you'll see exactly how to contact Linda for services. Obviously, if you work with me, if you are a buyer working with me, then you're likely going to have contact with Linda. And uh, for uh, tank services, we're going to flash Leo's info up as well uh, to be able to contact Leo, who has just a wealth of expertise. Again, maybe the first time we're seeing each other from face to uh, face to face. But um, through my dealings with Linda, and I fully trust her uh, opinions on these matters, um, I've you know encountered Leo's services and his name on frequent occasions. So thank you both for your time. Much appreciated. Thank you so thank much, you. Corey. All right. We'll be in touch soon. So for those uh, tuned in today, hope you were able to get some valuable information from today's episode. We certainly will have Linda back with us because we just explored one little piece of attorney review. Uh, there's a lot more uh, to it than that that comes up, and we just want to be able to dive into those. But today, we really wanted to visit those protections for the buyer, what buyers should be aware of particularly when you're purchasing in New Jersey. So stay tuned with us. We have more episodes coming up weekly and we thank you for joining again. Be sure to tune in to 
my YouTube episodes on YouTube, which is New Jersey Living, when we're covering a variety of markets uh, throughout New Jersey, Northern Central, and even now down the shore. So thanks. Tune in again. Stay safe.